Okay, here we go. The Ben and Maggie Show. He's about to get crazy and wild. Stay for a while. Don't touch a radio dial. Ben and Maggie Show. Kicking it back. Sports talk. Listen to that and stay tuned for some giggles and laughs. Go. <laughs> My dog drives me nuts. My dog. He wants me to mate him. I wouldn't mate him. Let him go through what I go through. <laughs> I mean, last week was rough. Are you kidding? Last week I looked up my family tree. Two dogs were using it. <laughs> Welcome to the Planet Mikey Show. Hey, oh, it's rough. He was doing dog jokes. Rough, rough. <laughs> this is Planet Mikey episode number I Don't Give a Shit. I Honestly, I'm, I'm dro- we're dropping the numbers thing, guys, because nobody gives a shit what episode number it is. Right? You don't think? No. More importantly, I think we should just say what date it is. It's the 11th of July, Once de Julio, if you're south of the border, uh, in 2023. Because we've been doing this now for years. What what are we doing? 20, 30, 15, 20 years now, huh? Yeah, you know, when we uh, we listen to this in the future, we'll all say, wow, we were so young then. Well, yeah, Ben Kitchen wasn't even born when we started doing this. Nope. Bill Smith, of course, was 30. That's... Uh, (laughs) um, But the thing is, though, that... More important than any of that is the fact that we're still here. It's true. Enlightening people, informing them, lifting their spirits, <laughs> de- delineating right and wrong on a podcast. And it's not heard of these days. We're sort of like the true north. Plus, I get better looking every day. Now that we're on YouTube, I, I've just started to notice. I get better looking every single week. What's your secret, Mike? It must be those meals from Factor. Those are good. You mean one of our sponsors has a product, product that you actually like? I had five Factor meals in the last six days, and they were, they were all very delicious. And the, they have these smoothies. Now, hold on. I'm curious. What, uh, what kind of meals did you have? Well, you know, one of them was a, uh, believe it or not, a mushroom and goat cheese with broccoli. And it's, it's, it was way too healthy for normally my selection on the menu. So it's not like but just beef and cheese? It and- was great. I was, And it's not frozen. You don't have to throw it out. It goes, it's fresh, but it's not frozen. It's refrigerated. It's sent to you. You put it in the microwave, mm. and you go, boop, and it's two minutes. You're like, you're there, and you don't have to thaw it out or any of that stuff. Yeah, it's just great. I mean, I, I really, they do a good job. What's it called again? Factor. <laughs> I don't even know her. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, Planning my episode number blah, 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 blah. Right, Ben? Right. Brought to you also by our favorite uh, mechanics in the history of mechanicism. And uh, they're the guys at Pro Automotive, the professional, the certified pros at Pro Automotive. And I think i got to bring my car there because um, the horn doesn't work. Okay. If, if I turn to the left, it will beep. If I turn to the right, it, it will beep. Really? But uh, straight ahead straight. When, I, when I need it, as I need it today so badly, I want to bang somebody. Turn to the but left, uh, fine. Turn to the right, fine. Go, turn straight, and you're in trouble in no. this society. So I got to figure out what causes that. Well, you know what? It's funny because my uh, my black grand marquee uh, needs a a, a, a a transmission cable, a shifter cable. Yeah. Because it was having a hard time getting into reverse. Which will happen. But the pros at Pro Automotive are going to take care of business for me, as they always do. They are my mechanics, and I'm proud to have them as friends and mechanics. Also, I must mention, legendary Giacomo's in Melrose, Massachusetts. Mmm, delicious. Everything's delicious. Next week, we're going to have Bob from my grandma's coffee cake on. We're going to weasel some free cakes out of him. Yeah, I want to ask him, how does he make the cake so moist? It just stays that way. It's uh, it's an amazing thing. You can ask him all that, but he's he's a nut. I mean, he's a complete nut, so he'll be fun on the podcast for a few minutes, and we'll also weasel some cakes out of him. What do you think? That sounds good. Yeah. 
Hey, Bob, how about you send over a couple of blueberries for us, huh? We like them. Uh, also, if you want to contact us, you can do so by going to planetmikeypodcast at gmail.com. I think I check it once a week. <laughs> Maybe every few days. I don't know. This just happens to be episode 233, by the way. I told you I don't care I know, anymore. but I, th- I thought just as a matter of record, you'd like to know. Would you let me know when we get to 238? Just because that's my lucky number. Okay. Chad Finn was supposed to be with us tonight. He had to cancel due to some personal situations. Maybe he'll be back in the future. But in the meantime... I just want to quote. <laughs> I just want to quote from Chad Finn's. Oh, a quote. Yeah. I, well, it was the last article he ever wrote about me because I used to have a job that he could write about yeah. I, when I was relevant. Yeah. So this is uh, right from the guy who was going to be our Glo- guest. Yeah, Globe. He's Chad Finn, Globe staff, June twenty fourth, twenty sixteen. Maybe Mike Adams should have locked himself in the studio at the end of his run at WEI <laughs> rather than the beginning. Now referring to the. The prank yep. that Jason Wolf came up with uh, when I first got the job. Anyway, uh, he says, initially I wasn't a fan and I had nothing to do with him calling me Hack Finn, which I did <laughs> on the radio. Hey, you got to respect a clever insult when you hear one. It's that he was an enigma, sharp-witted, sometimes hilarious, but other times one-note, juvenile, and repetitive. That's the Manny Ramirez bashing and steroid speculation programs. <laughs> we're an invitation to turn on a podcast, which is what we're on now. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> you got the sense that show prep wasn't a priority. You know, I think I've heard that before. I, I think Mutt said that to me one Somebody time. Somebody put that in his head. And then that... he told Kirk, and Kirk told everybody in the morning show that show prep was not my strong point. I can attest to that when you show up for this podcast, you're loaded with stuff. You know what I can really prep for, though? Never mind a show. A show is a show. You're having fun. You're high on weed. You don't give a shit. (laughs) What I prep for is colonoscopy. The career (laughs) of Mike Adams summed up in a sentence. Okay. How how do you... uh, Adams was an acquired taste. Oh. And I eventually acquired it. Not because I changed, not because he changed, but because the market changed. Adams had, here's a novel concept, fun on his show. That's true. He did a yes imitation of Bob. He adored Bill Lee. By the way, speaking of Bill Lee, yes. we're going to call him because it's 50 years since he, since he was a member of the 1973 All-Star team. It's been 50 years? Is this, is this like the exact day? Uh, well, no. It was June, late, late July. Yeah. You know, but it was, it was 50 years ago. All-Star game is tonight. You know, we're recording this on Tuesday, mm-hmm. the 11th, the night of the All-Star game. And he pitched the All-Star game. It was like July 20th or something. How about that? But it was 50 years ago, and he's still pitching. We'll ask him about that and a whole lot more coming up on tonight's podcast. <laughs> Let me know when you want me to call. <laughs> Every once in a while, well, we'll do a whole baseball segment. But did you, you were telling me about some kind of... Uh, uh, a place where they music it's a musical yes, outlet a, for tell us about that i can't think you know i have a studio here and i record musicians i'm in it yep bands and all that stuff well they i've been hearing this um, the one band in particular the danny gallagher band from my friend jason that band and uh, he said oh we we played at this place called the fallout shelter in norwood he said and they made a video you should see it well but I, it's not a real fallout shelter it's a, no but it's uh, that's what they call the place though but I, I did. I looked at it, and it wasn't, you know, you go to a club sometimes, or your friends will say, hey, uh, we, you know, we put a video of our band on Facebook. Take a look at it. And you do, and somebody put in a GoPro or, a, you know, some, some other recording device, a Zoom, and you see the band from far away, and it sounds all muffled and loud. 
and it's just you know it's good for the band to look at, but it's really not one of those things you. As a listener, that you would, yeah, yeah because of the quality. <clears throat> so the quality at the at the uh, Fallout Shelter is not only as clean as anything you've seen on any any of your favorite TV shows, but the audio, the sound, is exactly. That quality. So this is a professional recording studio giving a compliment to a professional recording studio. Yeah, it's sort of like they give back to the community. They're a 501c3 uh, company. Their, their name is, hold on, you should check these out because... I'm going to do an album. I've got a blues album I'm working on. Hey, Seriously. This thing would look pro when they're done. I'm telling you that right now. They are a grassroots cultural and performing arts center. If you want to get, a, a, get in touch with them or just look at some of the videos, you'll be blown away, and I'm not kidding. Um... It's uh, grcpac, P-A-C, grcpac.org. And, uh, you That's can their sc- website? Scroll around in there and take a look at what they do. But uh, they give back to the community, and uh, they're just a great bunch of people who uh, keep the arts alive. It's not just music. Because I uh, am working on a blues album uh, with just me and the accordion. Want to hear a sample of their stuff? Sure, right now. Do you know what? Uh, did you ever hear of Sal Baglio? You know Sal Baglio. He used to be in a band called The Fools. I remember Sal Magley was the pitching coach for the Red Sox. Well, Sal Baglio and John Butcher and Alan Estes, so these are three heavyweights. They got together and they put a band together with Tom West on keyboards. He's been down here. Okay. Uh, Ruby Bird and Ramona Silver doing backup vocals and Wolf Janandis on the... Uh, on the bass, and Dave Fox will give them all credit on the drums. Okay. These are all very cool, very talented Boston I people. hope they're listening. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if this is good. This is not the whole song, but it's just a little bit to give you a, a taste. an idea of what it sounds like at the Fallout Shelter right. in Norway. Ready, go. That's me clapping. Mm-hmm. Totally live. Be friends. La, 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 la. John Butcher takes the first lead. Why can't we be friends? 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 I haven't seen you for a long, long time. That's pretty good quality there. Yeah. I remember that you drank my wine. Why can't we be friends? Anyway, that's can they uh, back me up on my blues album? They there? can. They, they sound can. great. But I've heard they got all kinds of different bands, and uh, I'm amazed that it's free for one thing. You can just go there and look at all these things, and they're supreme quality. Just wow. it's really, really good. And they're a 501c, 501c, a yeah. nonprofit. And yeah, and so they're not in it for the money. They're they, in it for the quality. They will accept donations, you know, tax deductible since they're 501c3. Yeah. And uh, do they have an accordion player? Because I I've seen a couple of accordion players there. There's one woman in particular who's extremely good on the accordion. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Yeah. You should see this stuff. It's great. Wow. Yeah. You know, I tell you what, I I I, I would like to have an all female band. You know, not like the Bengals, you know, not like the Dixie Chicks, you know, only harmonicas, oh. five harmonicas, all, all mouth organ They'd ex- be experts. like the, uh, the harmonicats. <laughs> you remember the harmonicats? So, no. No. <laughs> that sounds awful. They were on the it Ed does. Sullivan show. It's like, I was just kidding. There's a family <laughs> of guys who played harmonica, and one of them played a harmonica this big. Yeah. That's yeah. what she said last night. They were the harmonica cats. You can, you can find them on... Uh, 
on YouTube, I'm sure. Now, can, can we, can we to, to, before we get Billy on the phone, because yeah. I, we're going to get him on the phone and talk a little bit of baseball, as we love to do. I mentioned to you guys before when we talked about the man from UNCLE, Robert Vaughn. Yes. I was going through my old scrapbooks in my base. I have an office filled with junk, which is old junk. Yeah. And I found the picture of me with Robert Vaughn after his appearance on my show the where he didn't Uncle. want to talk from the man from about the man from Uncle, and that's all I did. I <laughs> talked about the man from Uncle for 40 minutes. Look at that <laughs> and he sour was puss, yeah. And here's a picture. I, uh, let's see. I'll do it. Yeah, okay, you do it. Here's a picture of the look on his face when we did our obligatory. <laughs> he was so wanted to get out of that place so bad. Robert Vaughn, and there's a picture next to it on the thing of him when he was in The Man from Uncle. Now, he's been in a million things. You know, he's been, I just saw him in a Gunsmoke episode the other night, and it's Robert Vaughn. You yeah. know, he was 32 when The Man from Uncle became a hit. Wow. Uh, he always looks so much older. Well, he, and he did the. Mark E. Salamone commercials. <laughs> Tell him you mean business. You know, remember those? Yes. And he was uh, promoting First Alert. How much do you think he got paid for those Mark E. Because those were on forever. Yeah. And, he, and by the way, it was no, a franchise. Like, give, give me a, give he, he did a lawyer in every market. Yeah. There was a Marquis Salamone here, and there was a Joe D'Ambrosio oh, here, and there was a, you know, Eddie Fitzgerald. That's how that works. Oh, yeah. And he lined them up, and the production company does the same copy. They just put the names different. Guy. You know, uh, if you're in California, it might be, you know, uh, call Pancho Guevara because so, he means business. So he's the same records, 50 of them? Yep. And he makes a fortune. I'll or bet. did. He's yeah. dead now. <laughs> yeah, so he's... That would he, be give a me a ballpark. He's what do you mean by fortune? residuals, you know? Making like a million dollars No, no, those? no. But he did. He probably did one shoot, you know, for one day, and, and he probably got 50 grand. Okay. You know, it was, like, it was no right. problem. I bet he got a quarter of a million. You think so? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, maybe he got 50 grand an hour. He's a celebrity. <laughs> I, did I say 50 grand a day? I meant an hour. That's what you <laughs> said. That's exactly what you said. So anyway, I found that picture. And on there, another thing, there's a picture of me with a Jay Giles band with a, in 1981, you know, that Dick Robinson had on his Connecticut School Broadcasting poster. So these are all old clippings and weird things. You know, my arrest, I have, a, I have a, the clippings from when I got arrested <laughs> at, the mug car, shot? at the you, car wash. Do you have a mug shot with them? No. No? Oh. And... and so all this old junk comes out of the out of the uh, the archives. But here's my greatest prediction of all time: came out of the archives. Oh, to be a Red Sox fan in early spring by Randy Smith of the Journal Inquirer in Connecticut. He interviewed me on the the day before the baseball season opened, March 29th. Mm-hmm. And he said, "What's going to happen this year?" Because he says Red Sox fans are always optimistic. And remember, the curse was still on; they hadn't won shit yeah. in, in uh, forever. So he interviews me. I said, oh, this and that, blah, blah, blah. At the very end, I tell him this. It's going to be a great summer, especially great for Connecticut baseball fans. The Mets and the Red Sox will meet, will duel it out in a seven-game series, and the Red Sox will win. Now, of course, the Red Sox played the Mets in the World Series in 86, and it was a seven-game series, but the Red Sox lost. Bill Buckner the whole thing. Oh, no, that was the but game. That's this right. was before the season started. Oh. I not only picked the winner of the National and the American League, but I picked how long the series is going to be. You, know, you do ah. have that. You do if have it wasn't that. for that Buckner thing, I would have been like no, Nostra fucking Damas. Exactly. You do have that premonition kind of thing going on. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. See? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, let's get, Bill, let's get Bill Lee on All the right, phone. What do you say? Because it's baseball season, right. isn't it? Huh? And I can tell because over here to my left is Ben Kitchen wearing a Boston Red Sox hat. It says 1901 on it. 
which is really outdated. That was the first World Series, right? Yeah, Bill was no, seven. 1903, I think. 1903. Yeah. That was the year the Red Sox started, <clears throat> 1901. Right? Yeah, that, hence why it's. They had the Boston on the Americans hat. before that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You don't have to explain that. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. yeah. All right, right. Let's get Spaceman. <laughs> Do you have, let's, get, let's get that song for him. I got it. He knows I'm calling. He must know. Hello? Spaceman! Yo! Mikey, Ben Kitchen, Bill Smith, and listen to this music right here. Ready? Go! Yeah. Mr. Lee and me. What bothers the spaceman? What's left for him now? <laughs> what bothers the spaceman? That's going to be your new intro. <laughs> Sounds like someone at a at a camp in uh, what do you call it? Post uh, apocalyptic. Five people left eating cans that they found on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we'll ne- we won't know until that actually happens, will we? Yeah, Cormac McCarthy, the road. There's only two people left in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Terrible movie. Good book, though. Uh, yeah, well, you've read every book, so it's uh, you know I'm not surprised that you know that. I uh, I wanted to just call you for two several reasons, but first of all, to say, a how's the flooding going in in Craftsbury, Vermont, right now? The whole state is inundated with water. Well, we're the highest point on a ridge between Canada and the United States. The water on my hill drains down into the black which heads down to Canada, and the water on the other side drains down the Lamoille, which heads into Champlain, which basically says that everybody downhill from me is screwed. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you and that's what happened. I, I drove the rivers. The Lamoille was over its banks. <laughs> i never seen such devastation. Corn leveled right down there in the lowlands. Oh, wow. And the Black River, it's terrible all the way. All three bridges to Craftsbury are closed. And uh, drive at your own risk. And I have a Prius, and I don't want to get electrocuted. No, not at all. Uh-huh. Speaking of the Prius, uh, your pacemaker helped you uh, once again. Tell us what happened to you in Indiana. Oh, I uh, was overheated. I had Rodney Scott in the dugout. I had my wife in the dugout. Uh, late game, 92-degree heat, 90% humidity. Uh-huh. Long inning. I was supposed to throw the seventh or the eighth. I should have thrown the seventh. The eighth goes. The guy gets uh, one out, and he's doing good. And then all of a sudden, he's got runners at first and third. They get an appeal play. He gets the second out. The other team protests. They call it back. And then the biggest left-hander on the party animals come out. Uh, and uh, I go, they go, do you want him? And I said, hell no, I don't want him. It's hot and everything else. They go, well, are you afraid? And I walk to the mound on a 2-1 count. I went into my stretch. I got dizzy, fell down. Before I hit the ground, my uh, chest thing went off, shocked me back to life. Defibrillated. And then I laid on the ground, and then all hell broke loose. <laughs> but you got up. Oh, I got up, and I wanted to pitch. They wouldn't let me. The paramedics <laughs> came out. They said, you're going to the hospital. So I ran away from them, threw the ball in the air. While the ball was in the air and they were watching it, I took off. 
to the third baseline. I went up in the stands through a gate that I saw and high-fived all the fans all the way out of the stadium to a standing <laughs> ovation. <laughs> you should get a standing ovation just for getting up in that situation. Uh, you know? I got up, and I could have... I went there, and then they finally captured me, and they put me in a gurney and strapped me down so I couldn't get out. Yeah, like the guy in uh, Silence of the Lambs. It was exactly. I looked like Hannibal Lecter, and when I left the hospital the next day, I looked like the big Indian, and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> well, that's all part of the Savannah Bananas. By the way, you know, everybody's telling me you, you, you can't get tickets to your world tour with the bananas. They, no matter where, Portland, Maine, Hartford, Brockton, you, they're sold out. They're sold out, and they're, they're scalping them for $400 a ticket. My own son got four tickets from his, do- his sister and went in there with his girlfriend and him, sold the other two on some, on, on some website and made, made 400 bucks. So that's, that's a smart kid there. Right, and he is a shyster, smart kid, but boy, he can manage. Andy Lee, yes, he sure can. What has he won for championships for the women's softball? What was it? How many? Yeah, he's won. He's won uh, nine out of eleven championships with LSU, Eunice, and he came in second in the nation last year with Northwest Florida State. You know, the guy is a savant. And uh, the trouble is he put all of his money in marijuana stocks, and they all went tanked on him. Well, it'll come back. It's a growth industry. It really really is. Now, Bill, it's only only a growth industry for seniors and edibles. Spaceman Bill Lee on the phone here, who who was a member of the 1973 uh, American League All-Star team 50 years ago. That's why I'm calling you is because – you got to have some memories. I know, first of all, it was Willie Mays' last, out of 24 All-Star games, it was his final one, which is pretty amazing. But they were yes, a loaded, the National League team. You didn't actually get to pitch in the game, and you're probably glad having to face those guys. Nolan, uh, Nolan Ryan gave up a home run in that one, right? Willie Davis hit one that's still going, went into the fountains. It was the first year of Kansas City. And uh, my memories are I missed the bus. And Reggie Jackson missed the bus. I had to ride in a cab with him to the ballpark. Oh, that's fun. And he talked my ears off, and I couldn't stand the man. <laughs> no, me too. And then me when too. I got to the ballpark, we had a team meeting, and Dick Williams said, is there any American League pitcher that's not 100% sure he can get all the National League hitters out? And I raised my hand. He goes, Bill, why? I was the only one. He goes, why is your hand up? He says, my dad said only fools were positive. <laughs> I did not get in the game, and damned if I if we got beat by the National League, yeah. seven to one, which had supposedly nine Hall of Famers on it. Yeah, yeah. Hank Aaron. I mean, you're talking about just a an All Star roster. The starting lineup had Pete, Pete Rose did not get in the Hall of Fame, but Joe Morgan did. Hank Aaron, Billy Williams, Johnny Bench, Ron Santo, and the starting pitcher for that team was a guy you knew well from the, your teammate on the '75 Red Sox, Rick Wise, the Owl Man. Threw a no-hitter and hit two home runs with Philadelphia or St. Louis. I don't remember which, but probably Philadelphia, and that's why he was a starting pitcher. He was a great control pitcher. He was. Sneaky fast, and uh, you couldn't tell where he was going because he had those big horn rim glasses. Yeah, he's like an owl. Yep. You know, he was unbelievable. And Catfish Hunter was started for the America. Uh, by the way, Rick Wise got the win in that All-Star game that, that you didn't get to get in, but you got to go, right? You, except yes, for the I Reggie did, Jackson part where you probably had a good time. I had a great time. Uh, yeah, I had, I was very flattered, and uh, I think I was a late addition. 
I won 17 games that year. I was a relief pitcher that finally started starting. And, uh, you know, 73 was a great year. 72, we should have won the pennant, but I didn't get to pitch enough, and uh, that was Eddie Casco's fault. 73, the same thing. Then he got fired, and then uh, Darren Johnson was in. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we, it was, uh, we had a, a run. Our team should have been in the World Series maybe four years in the 70s. Yeah, well, and Rick was a member of the Buffalo Head Gang, was he not? Oh yes, he was. He was uh, he was our little Nazi in the corner that uh, <laughs> kind of put everything in perspective, you know. And, and, and the Buffalo he, a, just... he was a right winger, uh, drank a lot of really sweet white wine. That kind of made him, I think, uh, was his moniker. And then you had Fergie and I and and Bur- uh, Willoughby, and, and we were all weed smokers and stuff, and didn't drink the right. we didn't drink the white wine. Bernie, it was Bernie, uh, Fergie Jenkins, you, Rick Wise, Willoughby and I, yeah, and Willoughby. Yeah, that's a Buffalo. <laughs> a classic Red Sox lore. All right, I have a little folklore for you here before we let you get back to whatever it was you're doing, Spaceman. And I want mm-hmm. to tell you the saga of the man who, in Major League history, has the shortest autograph, the shortest name for autographs. Can you think of who that might be? Ed Ott. Yes! Oh, my God! It's Ed Ott. It, you know, Bill Lee is a pretty short autograph. It's only seven letters, right? Yeah, but yeah, Ed Ott is right there. Isn't it amazing? Here's the story of, of Ed Ott. He, he was a pirate's catcher, of course, uh, backing mm-hmm. up Manny Sanguian and Duffy Dyer. And then uh, he was known as a tough, no-nonsense player. He was a former wrestler who was not afraid to use those skills on a baseball diamond. On August 12, 77, against the Mets, Ott slid hard into the second baseman of the Mets, Felix Felix Mian, trying to break up the double play. Mian shouted at Ott and hit him with a baseball in his hand. He had that baseball in his hand, and he hit him. Ott, a former Muncie High School star wrestler, answered this by picking Mian up in a wrestling move, upending him, and then slamming him into his extended knee. Oh, no, broke his back. (laughs) It broke his shoulder. It broke his collarbone, and it effectively ended Felix Mian's playing career. He never came Mm -hmm. back to the major leagues after that. Unbelievable. Wow, wow. Yeah, he uh, he played for me. Mian was my second baseman for the uh, Los Indios de Mayaguez in Puerto Rico. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. I know Felix. He's the you one know who told me not to get on the bus when I got the shit beat out of me by uh, uh, Ellie Rodriguez that day in uh, Caguas. Oh, oh, with your teeth? Yeah, he heard all, He heard uh, me on and all the guys knew that they had a vendetta out for me at the ballpark. Oh, but my God. The bus stalled. The crowd got around us. Then we restarted the engine. We broke away from the crowd, got to the ballpark through the parking lot, Pulled up right to the front gate, and there was no one there, and I tried to sneak off. I was at the first off the bus, and then around the back of the bus was Rodriguez and his family, and they slammed me into the the guardrail going down the stadiums into the steps, that metal thing. Wow. Knocked me out and knocked my teeth out, and then they tried to stab me. And uh, Pete Kogel and Ron Woods from Montreal and Philly grabbed me, saved me, and kept me from dying. Wow, man, that is. I remember that story, but a long time ago. But all the details are now refreshed in my memory. You know, wow, you you've got it right there on roller derby, man. I'm a steel trap. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, so, uh, just back to Ed Ott for one second. You know, he became a coach after he played, as many guys do, and mm-hmm. he was serving under Art Howe with the Astros. Uh, and in in one of the incidents, he was remembered for this: an on-field altercation against the Reds. In 1991, Reds reliever Rob Dibble ignited a brawl 
when he threw a pitch behind the back of Eric Yelding late in the game of a 4-1 Reds loss. A melee ensued, and the six-foot-four Dibble wound up on the bottom of a pile with the relatively diminutive Ott having put Dibble in such a chokehold that Dibble's face turned blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, this guy had on, you know. Never mind this. I love it. Now we just don't have that anymore. No, never. That's baseball. No, because these guys. It was great, you know. We had managers getting thrown out in big tirades and bases flying all over the place, and now we got instant replay, and everybody's got their tongue in everybody's ear. It's uh, it's unbelievable. So, Ednott, the shortest autograph in Major League history. I give kudos to to Bill Lee for just pulling that one right out of his ass perfectly. Ednott is right. Oh, it's such a tight ass it is. By the way, way, there's, there's, there's a tie for first place shortest autograph, but it's a football guy, Ty Law. Oh, I remember him. Yeah, he's yeah. five. He's five letters also. So and you know these guys. Wow. Of course, Nomar Garcia Parra with eighteen letters, and uh, Jared Saltalamacchio is all time record with nineteen. Oh my God! Yeah, I learned something about the watershed. If you have riparian rights and you're the first one in the river, like the Hetch Hetchy, and you put a piece of paper on it and nail it to a tree and say, "This rights of water belongs to San Francisco for perpetuity," you know, and you walk away, but then an Indian pulls the nail and wipes his ass with the paper. <laughs> <laughs> and we have the video. Spaceman, I'm glad you're okay after that last thing. I'm glad you're uh, you're uh, still pitching. I'm and, uh, fine. I'm fine. I got out of there. I walked out like the Indian, like I said. I pulled the IV out, <laughs> put some duct tape on my arm, and walked out in my goddamn socks, the yellow socks from Methodist Hospital, non-slip socks. That's all I got from Indiana. <laughs> Save those non-slip socks. You put them in the Hall of Fame. No, I already threw those in a trash can probably in <laughs> Akron, Ohio. Well, you stay dry up on a hill in Craftsbury, my friend, all right? I will. I'm not going down till they fix the bridges. All right. Well, the spaceman, thanks Thanks again, man. We'll Bye-bye, talk to you. guys. Bye-bye. He's a nut. The guy's a nut. He's certifiably a nut, don't you think? What a good nut. Yeah, he's great. A he's, good great. he's always got good stories, you know? I mean, I have news stories sometimes. I, you, I mean, sometimes when I have news stories on the podcast, we just do them, not as a... And now this about Ed Ott. <laughs> I mean, who knew, right, with all that stuff? Miss Universe is a man. Oh, you see the picture of Miss Universe and, uh, uh, and Bill Hader next to oh, no. side by side? Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Well, she, uh, he, I'm sorry, Ricky, his name is Hurt. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to say his name because okay. he used to be a guy. Yeah. He, he can't get upset then. Ricky Coley became the first openly trans pageant contestant to win the title of Miss Netherlands on Saturday. She will go on to represent her country in Miss Universe later this year. Now, they're a little weird sexually in the Netherlands anyway, aren't they? I mean, they're they're a little looser. Isn't there a story about some kid put his finger in the dike? (laughs) Not that that dike. I would read that story, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I'm sorry. (laughs) That's it. Uh, it's, a, it's a Dutch story. Here's what Coley said, or actually wrote, in a joyous Instagram post after her win, becoming Miss Netherlands. That's him. I did it! That's what... Uh, <laughs> and then he said, I made my community proud and showed it can be done. 
<laughs> she added in Dutch. It can be done. With an emoji of the light blue, light pink, and white striped trans flag and a little tiny penis. <laughs> no, sorry. There's a picture of Bill Hader, and uh, it's uh, right next to it is, is that Miss, uh, Miss Netherlands? Yeah, that yeah, yeah her, and Ricky Coley. And it looks like uh, Bill Hader with lipstick on. And I'd I rather see yeah, Ricky but, Lake, to be honest with you, oh, in the thing. Uh, ouch. Uh, throughout the competition, which narrowed down hundreds of entrants to 10 finalists in April, Tricky, uh, Tricky Ricky Coley Dickey has used her platform to promote a more inclusive vision of the pageant world and to encourage other men to feel inspired. Now, the quote here that I love the most is, Miss Universe asked us to describe ourselves in one word. The word I'm choosing, she said, he said, is victory. Because as a little boy, I conquered all the things that came through my path. And look at me now, standing here as a strong, empowering, and confident trans woman. Why are they trying to get rid of biological women? You notice know, they don't get it any... It seems so sad for the actual women that should have won that thing. Because they're actually women. Did and you see the runner-up? She was beautiful. Uh, gorgeous. Yeah. I would, wouldn't you? <laughs> I went back for more. Call back. <laughs> more news. <laughs> Hold on, let me blow my nose. And now more news with more. Mike Adams. Oh, that one had it. That was shrapnel there. Oh, that was good. chunk. Right. And he just throws it on the floor. No, it's just a trash can. He just threw it on the floor, Bill. And now more oh, news. Was I supposed with to put it in your Mike pocket? Adams. Why is my mic low? I don't know. I don't know. So happy Miss Universe to Miss uh, Netherlands and uh, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> okay, in, interesting stats from the, uh, you know, you know the people that say, okay, we don't need bail, we don't need ca- these people can't afford. In California, they're saying, well, you should only have to pay bail based on your ability to pay. Okay, so all these criminals just say, I don't have any money. They go, okay, we don't have to pay bail. Of course, and they let them go. Yeah, it's the fucking stupidest thing in the world. Um, the people who paid their bail have a recidivism rate recidivism. of forty-three percent. Yep. Criminals that paid their bail, forty-three percent chance of getting arrested again in the near future for a crime. Seventy-six percent of the people who don't pay any bail is the recidivism rate. They go right back to uh, doing seventy-six percent. So now they're sitting. They're saying, "Okay, no bail." You're out on the street. Oh, another crime. Oh, no bail. Mike, it's just a continuum. You're missing the point. It's the genius. The genius of Gavin Newsom. Oh, he's such a piece of shit. It's really something, isn't it? <laughs> California's new bill is to have judges take into consideration race while deciding bail or sentences. So two people murder, okay, or they or they assault or they rape, or two people, one's white, one's black, and the judge is supposed to say, well, you know what? We're going to give you a lower sentence... Uh, or lower bail because, you know, you're black and we feel sorry for you. You're a rapist, just like this guy over here, but you, you know what I mean? It's like, why What? Why should race enter into a law that's established to, to deal with humans of all races? Yeah. Equal justice under the law. Under theory. the law. Yeah. It's like, but th- this is California yeah. now. See, again, the genius of Gavin Newsom. Unbelievable. Um so anyway, the rearrest rate uh, uh, is 163 percent more prominent when there's no bail than it would be with there's bail. That's that was the point I was getting at. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Uh, the U.S. Secret Service is investigating the cocaine found in the White House on Sunday night. Now, as someone who's dealt with cocaine as an issue, yes, and completely 
oh, what's the word? Banished it from my life mm-hmm. 23 years ago. I know what's going on here with this whole cocaine thing. They found it in the West Wing, and they found it in a place where only certain people could. And they say, they say, oh no, it was actually it was over here because yeah. then they could include more people in the in the circus of potential suspects yeah. for the cocaine. Don't you think that America's not stupid and knows that an admitted cocaine addict, freak, piece of shit, Hunter Biden, with hookers and cocaine and, and crack and free base, whatever the hell he's doing in the hotel rooms, he admits it, and he went through this bad, bad thing. Now he's hanging out at the White House all the time, and suddenly, for the first time ever, they find cocaine. Isn't it a normal leap uh, to, to go from, well, here's a guy who's a cocaine addict, we know it, he's hanging around, and he has clearance. And he's a careless guy about everything. And he forgets shit, he yeah. leaves laptops over here, he leaves guns in the dumpster, he leaves women pregnant over here. Not only that, but how many cameras are there in the White House? And there's no cameras in that particular, that's, that's the problem. Yeah, that, that's because what they're that's, saying. But here's my thought. Yeah. If it wasn't Hunter Biden, we'd know who it was. We would have Already. known. Already. Five minutes later, we That's would have known. Exactly, exactly where I was going, and you're so right. Because <laughs> otherwise, I mean, what do they get to hide? Right? Oh, this guy, oh, this intern who is a. No, de- dead meat. They're going to wait till it go, just leaves the headlines magically. Unless it was, you know, the only other exception to that would be if it was Kamala. So, you know, they might be protecting her. Somebody floated her name the other day, too. Said it was near her parking space or something. Yeah. A lot of people know all about her parking space. I'll <laughs> tell you what. It's not that hard to pull in. Uh, I, I, think, <laughs> oh, man. I think I've done it now. You have. I really have. I think I've, over, I think I've overextended my stay here. You think the news is done? I think, yes. I think it's time for us to get musical again, don't you think? Sure. God, I love the musical endings of these shows. You know why? Because every single week it's a chance for a fresh piece of old music that no one's heard in a long, long time, especially when it's done by the duet, the two fabulous former voices of the Red Sox. We don't use last names. Joe and Joe. We don't. What was that? Oh, I had a a hair. Do you have a, you have a I think it was a mustache here. All right. Like, I got real good at that in my prime. That was good, though. Uh, Joe, <laughs> Joe and Jerry here for our musical outro. <laughs> Joe, Jerry, take it away. Well, you're the kind of person you meet at certain dismal dull affairs. Center of a crowd, talking too loud, running up and down the stairs, Joe. But it seems to me you haven't seen too much in too few years. And though you've tried, you just can't hide because your eyes are edged with tears. You better stop, Joe. And yours. And look around. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes, Joe. Here it comes, Joe. But here comes your 19th nervous breakdown. When you were a child, you were treated kind, but you never brought up right. You were always spoiled with a thousand toys, but you still cried all night. Your mother, who neglected you, owes a million dollars tax. And your father's still perfecting ways of making sealing wax. You better stop! And look around. Oh, here it comes, again. 
Here he comes again, Joe. Here he comes. <laughs> Here comes your 19th nervous breakdown. What happened to the 18th? Oh, who's to blame, Joe? What the hell? That girl is just freaking insane. Well, nothing I do don't seem to work. It only seems to make matters worse. Oh, please! 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 You were still in school when you had that fool who really messed your mind. And after that, you turned your back on treating people kind. On our first trip, I tried so hard to rearrange your mind. But after a while, I realized you were rearranging mine. Hey, you better stop. Look around. Can you believe it?